This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. We're in 3 John today. This is a wonderful chapter. I have, I wrote, um, I wrote a book or lessons, uh, outline book on 3 John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John a number of years ago, and, <clears throat> and when I was studying it that, at that time, uh, I was amazed at the missionary emphasis that's in, in this one short book. It's only one chapter in length and um, 14 verses in this uh, one book. But I was amazed at the missionary message that was contained here in this book and uh, for the privilege that we have to study it today, I think It'll be very enlightening to you, and I trust it'll be a great blessing to you as well. Our Father, we pray that you'll guide our thoughts this morning, uh, bring our attention, capture our attention, Lord, and bring it to this passage of Scripture today and to the message that John has for us here to his friend Gaius, who's in this church, and, <clears throat> and for the wonderful work that Gaius did, Lord, on behalf of missionaries. And I pray that you'll teach us today what we need to learn to help us, God, to be better Christians, to live out our life as Christians, to become, have a world vision uh, in our outlook toward missions. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. In this third epistle that John wrote, <clears throat> he gives some advice to encourage his friend Gaius. Uh, I hope you have read ahead I'm going to read many of these verses as we look at them today, but, but it's a very wonderful message that John had for his friend Gaius uh, regarding how, how to live out the calling that God had put upon his life. And I don't think there is any question as we study this chapter to learn that God had put, an, put in this man's heart, Gaius. He was a member of a church. We're not sure exactly where this particular church was located, I believe in my study, as I studied this a number of years ago, I, I, <clears throat> I believe we were able to uh, determine at that particular time that John was at Ephesus at this time, uh, probably there when he was ministering to them uh, after he wrote his epistle to the, uh, to the Ephesian church, but he was probably at this time at the church at Ephesus, reaching out to Gaius. There had been some itinerant preachers that had been through, been to that church where Gaius was located. There are actually three men mentioned by name in this chapter. Uh, the first one, of course, is, is Gaius. Uh, the second, second one is Diotrephus. Now, we don't like him very well. We have to love him because God told us we have to love everybody right. There are some people you can love, but you don't really like them. And that was Diotrephus. And then Demetrius, we're not going to look at Demetrius today. We're, uh, we're going to skip him. <clears throat> that would be the last uh, three verses of the chapter. But anyway, um, these brethren had been at the church there where Gaius was located. They were itinerant preachers. They had been preaching missionaries, a.k.a. also known as missionaries. And they had been preaching the gospel in various places. But they had been to this church where Gaius was, and, there, and as these brethren came back to Ephesus from that church where Gaius was located, they gave John a, a wonderful report 
about Gaius. His love for missionaries, his involvement in their lives as they came through, he had been very generous to them. Um, uh, Gaius was probably a wealthy person in that church. And because uh, we, we gather that, because John here in this passage says that he was praying that, um, uh, for uh, Gaius's prosperity, that he would continue being a wealthy person because he was using his wealth for the glory of God. He was giving it to these missionaries. He was helping them. He was sending them forward um, and, and was a fellow helper with them in the ministry, as we'll see those terms here in this passage in just a few moments. And so uh, John is writing to him, encouraging him, thanking him, um, helping him to, uh, to continue the ministry that God had put in his heart to be a blessing to missionaries. You know, I'm, I'm proud to be a member of a church. I thank God for the privilege to be a part of Good News Baptist Church because I believe we have several Gaiuses in this church. Um, it's obvious from our faith promise offering that has come in. Uh, <clears throat> if you have read the notes that you have in your hand, there's a disclaimer a little bit later on. And I'm not going to take the time to read all of that disclaimer. It's there for a purpose, and I hope you will take the time to read it. But, uh, but in that disclaimer, I mentioned the fact that during the course of my 23 years as pastor here, we went from about $35,000 the first year I was here in 1991, uh, first, uh, th about $35,000 in our faith promise giving. And over the years, the course of those 23 years, it increased to well over uh, $200,000. In fact, I think one year our faith promise reached $250,000. And then there were a couple years that it backed off a little bit. But we're back up there now. And since Pastor Asher has been pastor here, uh, we've seen that trend continue. And uh, I think that trend continues because there are some people in this church that have a real heart and a love and a burden to get the gospel out around the world. And um, many of you are sitting in this very class who've been generous with your giving, uh, loving, obviously loving, in the way you reach out to our, the missionaries that come through this church. And, um, and that just makes me a proud member of this church. Over those 23 years, I, I don't believe that uh, we saw God do what he did because of me. It was because of the working of the Holy Spirit in the hearts and the lives of people at Good News Baptist Church who love the Lord and love the Lord's servants and are anxious to, to help those who, are, who have given themselves uh, to getting the gospel out. We see three reactions to uh, the preaching of the gospel in this, in this one chapter, this one book. Uh, he writes to instruct Gaius about how the church should conduct itself. And uh, there are three, there are three, three reactions by the members of the church uh, to the mission project that's described here in this passage. And, uh, and uh, there are those who went forth as goers, we call them goers. There were those who are the senders. And then there are the objectors, the opposition. 
and that was that's uh, diatrophus, and that's the reason why I said we we love him, but we don't like him. We don't like his attitude. He has a bad attitude. He wanted he liked the preeminence in the church. He wanted to be the dominant one. I want I'm the head around here. Oh, is that right? I thought God was supposed to be. I thought Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, was supposed to be the head of the church. Diatrus hadn't, he hadn't gotten that message, evidently. Well, anyway, let's proceed. Roman numeral number one is the goers. The goers. And we read these. these this appears to us here in verses 5 through 7. Let me read those, those words. Uh, John writes, Beloved, thou doest faithfully. Remember, he's addressing Gaius. He says, Gaius, you do faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers, which have borne witness of thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well, because that for his name's sake they went forth, taking nothing of the Gentiles or nothing of the heathen or the unsaved. And so we have the goers, those who are willing to go, all of these pictures we see on the walls here, many of those are people who've gone out from this church. People who've surrendered to preach the gospel under the ministry of this church. And we're sending them out. The rest of them are friends of this church. They, they're missionaries that, uh, that this church has felt worthy to get involved in their ministries on a foreign field and support them to the point where they can go and preach the gospel. They can represent us on the field. And so there are the goers. And so John commends these brethren, uh, these goers, these ones who've been out preaching the gospel that have come back now to the church of Ephesus and, and gave this report to John. And he commends these to Gaius thanking him for his support of those in the past, uh, 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 support of them in the past, and encourages them to continue in the future. He says specifically that Gaius would do well to bring them forward on their journey after a godly sort. That's a pretty important little phrase there, those three words, after a godly sort. That means, that means after, uh, as God is worthy. In other words, Gaius was treating these missionaries as if they were God themselves. Now, God didn't, uh, Gaius didn't, didn't, didn't think they were God. He knew they weren't God, but he was treating them as would, as would be worthy of treating God himself. Think of that for a moment. When these missionaries come through our church, they are very special people. They're no different than we are, you know. They comb their hair like we do, uh, part it on either right side or left side. Uh, some people don't have much difficulty with that. They don't have to part it at all, kind of like Neil Turner. And uh, uh, they're, they're just ordinary people, but they're spatial people. Every missionary, is, they have the same problems we have. They have the same illnesses. They, uh, they, they fight the same battles we do, the flesh and all that sort of thing. But they're special people. And that's the way Gaius treated them, as if they were special people. He supported them. 
He sent them on their way. He, he helped them. And then he mentions two things about these men that marked them as goers. First of all, letter A, they went out for the sake of his name. It's found there in verse 7, first part of verse 7. So first of all, John commends these Christians to Gaius because they went out. They had intentionally left the place where they were and traveled to other places. And Gaius probably didn't know some of them since they weren't from his church. But you'll notice here that they were brethren, but some of them were strangers. They were strangers to Gaius. And also, there is an implied understanding here that, that, that Gaius was personally sacrificing. Uh, it was made inconvenient. Uh, it was an expense to him. It was difficult for him. And yet he was willing to help these people that went. We're going to talk about uh, the stayers here, or the, uh, the senders here in just a moment. And Gaius was a sender. But anyway, here are the, the goers. These, these people went out. The reason reason they went out is critical. They didn't go out because they loved to travel. That's not why missionaries go out. It's a burden for them to do all the travel that they have to do. Uh, he didn't go, they didn't go out because the, their businesses uh, forced them to relocate or because they were curious about other cultures or that they were seeking adventure. And that's not the reason they went out. They went out for his namesake. For Jesus' sake. Um, they longed to bring glory to the name of Jesus Christ. These brethren had a high opinion of God and of his glory. And John uses the term here, his name, but actually the Greek is the name. Tau anonymous is the way it's pronounced. No, anonymous. Who cares, right? <laughs> but in the Greek text, it's actually the name, not his name. And uh, uh, this, is the, this is the way the Jews did it back in their day. And so they went out for his name's sake. But then secondly, letter B, they went out without the help of the Gentiles or unbelievers. They didn't ask the unbelievers to help them. This was found in the second part of verse 7. And uh, uh, John makes it clear that this was a Christian mission, not a business trip. Um, not, the, not that sharing the gospel while on a business trip is not a good idea because it ought to be a good idea, but their mission was motivated uh, supremely by the desire to preach the gospel. They didn't charge a fee for preaching the gospel to the people that they were preaching it to. How, much, how, how far do you think they would get? How far do you think our missionaries would get if they went to a foreign, they went down in the middle of Africa somewhere and said, okay, I want to preach the gospel to you, but you got to pay me. You think that would work? I wonder how many people they'd actually win to Christ. No, those people would do the same thing that you would do while he's preaching for money. Uh, sometimes we get accused of that anyway, but 
but it's okay to ask the church to help. It's okay to help the, ask the believers. John, uh, Paul was not bashful about asking the church to help him financially. Yes, sir. Help me out. Do I? I can't hear you. Speak up. He said, he said, an evangelist said that the reason the Lord has not come back is because Christians aren't giving enough money. Aren't giving enough money, what, to missionaries? No, they just weren't giving enough to the preachers. That's why Christ hasn't. Oh. Haven't come back yet. Oh, really? <laughs> okay. You don't believe that, do you? <laughs> I think you did. Uh, well, <clears throat> you know, never mind. I won't go into that. All right, let's move on here. They, they, didn't, they didn't take money from the people that they were trying to reach with the gospel. And Gaius realized that that was a wise thing. That's the reason why Gaius got on board here. And I believe that Gaius also encouraged the church where he was a member to do the same thing, although the guy that was, took the preeminent there, the next guy we're going to talk about, um, he didn't like that idea, and he, and, he, and he threw these missionaries out of the church when they came by. That's how much love he had for missions, but that's, that's the next point. No, it's not the next point, it's the third point. But anyway, <clears throat> uh, they went out uh, not taking money from the, from the unbelievers. They didn't charge a fee. Going out for the sake of his name, for the name, is a special ministry that the church confers on individuals and which John commends highly, which is done for the glory of God. It works um, excuse me, when, when it's done for the glory of God, it works to expand the knowledge of the truth and to bring pleasure to the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, as we mentioned in the second missionary, uh, me, second message of this message, missionary series, which would have been last year, and you probably don't remember it, that's the reason it's mentioned here again. Not every Christian is called to be a foreign missionary, but every Christian should struggle with being called. What do I mean by that? Or what does that statement mean? It means that God hasn't called everyone. Not everyone here uh, in this class has God called to be a missionary on a foreign field. But we ought to all struggle with that. God, do you want me to be a missionary? We ought to pray that. We ought, Lord, what's your will for my life? How can I help in reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Well, <clears throat> uh, Christians, we ought to challenge ourselves with that. And here's some things that we can ask ourselves or some things that we can consider. Number one, consider what, consider what, claims, uh, consider what claims the necessity Consider what claims, what claims the necessity to share the gospel might have on your activities and your opportunities right now. Number two, pray and consider whether the things preventing you from going are God-honoring. 
uh, are, are the things that might keep you from doing the will of God? Are they God-honoring? You know, there may be some things that God has, that God has called you to do here at home that are God-honoring. God hasn't called me to be a foreign missionary. I believe God called me to be a pastor. And I believe that's God-honoring because that was the will of God for me. That's, that's his ministry. But, you know, uh, I thank God for the way he's used me over the years to encourage others to get involved in getting out the word of God and supporting missions and so forth. That all has, that all has a place in God's economy. Number three, talk to other Christians that you respect about this issue. And I, I realize that I'm probably teaching this in the wrong class, uh, but it's being taught in the other classes as well. But, uh, but, um, but every Christian should, um, you know, does God want me to be a missionary? Talk to other people about it, other Christians about it. Get, get their ideas and their thoughts. Talk to, number four, uh, talk to the Good News Baptist Church pastors and deacons early in this process. Number five, uh, consider involvement in a short-term overseas missions opportunity. Some of you have done that. Some of you have gone on some of the missions trips that the church has had. Um, uh, some of you were not able to do that, and that's fine. Number six, take advantage of opportunities to talk to people who have gone out. Talk to other missions. Get their heart on it. See what, see what they're doing. See what God has done in their life and, and talk to them. And then number five, read some good books. And there are some good books suggested there about that. And that brings us to the second response, and that is the senders. Verses six and eight. Let's notice Verse 6, we read verse 6 a moment ago, but we haven't read verse 8 yet. Here's what it says in verse 6. Which have borne witness of thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on thy journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. Now John's saying here to Gaius, uh, Gaius, you've done a good thing. You have, send the, you have sent these men forward on their journey. And that's a good thing. And then in verse 8 it says, um, we therefore are to receive such, it's talking about these missionaries, these itinerant preachers, we therefore are to receive such that we might be fellow helpers of the truth. I don't know if this has occurred to you, I'm sure it has, but, <clears throat> but let me just underscore it a little bit. Next uh, week, during our missions conference, you're going to be asked to make a commitment, a faith promise commitment, a giving, giving to missions, in other words. Do you realize that when you make that commitment, it's not just that you're giving some of your money. You're a fellow laborer, a fellow helper with all these missionaries. You're helping them. You're sending them. And that's an important thing. And so, going is good, and we should honor those who do go, but we should think no less of those who stay behind. 
those who stay behind are not second-class Christians, folks. The Bible assumes that most will stay to minister locally and to be senders. This is God-honoring. It's not a secondary role. It's an essential part of the Great Commission. Let that sink in. It's an essential part of the Great Commission. If a missionary can't go on a foreign field and ask the foreigners, the heathen over there, to support them, who in the world is? How are they going to stay there? How are they going to eat? How are they going to take care of their family? How are they going to function as missionaries? If they, if, if they don't go over and say, hey, you've got to pay me for being here. Uh-uh. That doesn't work, folks. That's the reason why a part of the Great Commission is having pe people back home that can send them. It's such an important part of the Great, uh, Great Commission. It's essential. We noted in verse 7 that John commended the brethren who went out. But he also commends those who send out. And this is the second response that John also commends in this letter. It is the primary basis of John's confidence in the spiritual health of his friend Gaius. Gaius, John hopes, um, John hopes Gaius will enjoy good health and good wealth. He says that right there. Gaius, I hope, I hope your, your wealth holds out. I hope you prosper. I hope God gives you good health. Why? So he can continue sending out missionaries. How about that? John recognizes that most, like Gaius, are not goers onto the mission field. So there's a vital mission for those who do, do not go. They can be senders. And this mission is to provide support for those who do go. They can, they can deliberately, intentionally, and lovingly support the spread of the gospel at home and abroad. Sending, by supporting, is a vital part of a missionary endeavor. Without senders, the Great Commission cannot be fulfilled. And moreover, we, uh, we are commended by the scripture not only to support and show hospitality to missionaries, but to do it after a godly sort, like it's worthy of God, what that statement means. Justice going shows a desire for the glory of his name, so descending, it demonstrates uh, in a tangible way our love for God and that our priorities are right before him. And note how Paul views this uh, in, in Philippians chapter 4. Uh, you don't need to turn there. I think, I, I think this is in your notes, maybe just the references there. But anyway, in Philippians chapter 4, in verses 14 through 18, here's what Paul said to the Philippian church. He said, notwithstanding, ye, notwithstanding, ye do well that ye did communicate with my affliction. That word communicate doesn't mean that they talk to him. It means that they helped him financially, and that's very clear back here and down here in a couple more statements. We'll, we'll see that. But he said, you did well by communicating with me in my affliction. Paul said, I, I was afflicted. I, I didn't have enough money to go where God wanted me to go, so I had to depend on you. 
And you know that the church of Philippi was probably the only church, or the first church that really helped Paul in his missionary journey financially. And then there were some others, the church of Thessalonica got involved, and there were other churches that got involved. The churches of Macedonia got involved in it. But this church at Philippi led the way. And Paul said, you did a good work. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, turn the page. In the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me, or no church gave to me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only, you're the only one. For even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again to my necessity. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Do you know when you give your faith promise that the fruit that these missionaries experience on the field, the souls that they win to Christ, God puts that in your account? Did you know that? It's not just the missionary that gets credit for that. But it's not just the goer, but it's the sender that also gets credit for it. Because the missionary couldn't have been there and done that without you. Without helping to send them. Isn't that wonderful? I thank God for the missionary spirit of this church. This church corporately, I believe, is greatly blessed of God because of the missionary spirit of this church. Look at all these missionaries. We're going to talk about the number of missionaries here in just a couple of moments. So anyway, uh, and so what Paul continues here in, in this passage in Philippians, but I have all and abound. I'm full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Wonderful. And such support is rendered quietly, often unseen by men. That's the reason why when you fill out your faith promise card, we don't ask you to put your name on it. It's none of our business. It's only the business between you and God. When you give a faith promise, um, we don't need to know who gave it. God knows. God's made direct. God's recorded it. We don't need to know that. And um, obviously, you put it in an envelope. Um, there's somebody here in the church that knows recording of it. They record it. And then at the end of the year, you get a statement that you can use for, for your income tax. And there's nothing wrong with that because the government gives us that courtesy, at least for now. Right, Lynn? <laughs> I hope that continues, that courtesy. All right, now, <clears throat> what does this mean to us? If we personally and corporately as a church intend uh, to, be f to be faithful as senders and as supporters, there's some things we can do. First of all, let's talk about our personal involvement. That's letter A, personal involvement. Here's how each of us can be personally involved in supporting missionaries. Consciously, consciously, this is an important statement, consciously plan your life 
so as to allow yourself to support workers who leave or who have gone out for his namesake. Prioritize accordingly. This doesn't mean that we should be Christian abstainers, that we abstain from everything. We have to abstain from everything, uh, buying everything. And, and it doesn't mean that we can't have nice homes and nice cars. That, that's not what that means. Having a nice car or enjoying yourself is not wrong. Why? Because God has given us richly all things to enjoy. God doesn't expect us to be paupers. But be aware of the choices that you make. Don't allow the world's values determine your values. Um, ask yourself some things. There's three of these. First, number one, is my lifestyle, my home, I live in, my car I drive, the job I hold, the school I send my kids to, the clothes I wear, vacations I take, are they in large measure calculated to allow me to better advance the praise of his name among the people? Isn't there a slide for that, Mary Lynn? Did I, did, I didn't do that? Okay. Uh, number two. I think maybe it might be a blank on, on your notes, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, the, 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 the blanks there is praise... Uh, advance the praise of his name. Number two, do I pray regularly for the missionaries that my church supports? Do you pray for them? Number three, do I personally find ways to show support and encouragement to the missionaries? When we have missionaries come through here, we have a lot of them come through our church. In fact, we have some that are members of our church. There's three of them sitting right down there in a row. And there's others scattered around. Uh, do you find ways that you can encourage them and support them? Uh, how about the McCain's? They're trying to they're trying to get the final, they're, they're trying to finalize their support so they can get in England to the place where God's called them to serve. Do you find ways that you can encourage them and support them? And so corporately, this is a letter B, corporate involvement. What about our lives together as a church? What have for the manner and degree to which we should work to support those who send, those that we send, either directly from our church or from the friends or the friends of our church, such as we should make such we, we should make sure the nature of our care is not shoddy or halfway, but after a godly sort. What missionaries, what, what, should mission, what should the missionary program of our church be like? And that question is the reason I put this dis disclaimer in here, because um, uh, just, uh, just briefly, if you haven't read it yet, let me just briefly say what it is. Um, Tavis Long is the one that edited these, these notes. I didn't write them all. I wrote some of this stuff in here. <clears throat> but he quotes a paper that I wrote several years ago, a paper on missions. In fact, 
uh, the title of that paper is Encouraging Church for Effective Missions. Uh, I taught that as a course at Bob Jones University as an ad adjunct teacher uh, one time. In fact, I taught two or three courses down there when I was down there. And, um, and uh, somehow Tavis got a hold of that paper. I'm not sure how he got it. <laughs> he got a hold of it, and he quotes it here in these notes and includes them in the notes. And, uh, and uh, what I'm about to give to you here uh, of what he quotes from those notes, uh, I'm not sure. I haven't talked to Pastor about this. I don't know if this lines up with his, uh, his um, um, program and, uh, and his desire for the way our mission program should look here at our church or not. And I don't ever want to be put in a position, as a former pastor particularly, uh, to be in opposition to anything any program or position that our pastor takes currently. And uh, I would not do that unless it was a doctrinal matter. And it's not, this is not a doctrinal matter. It's a matter of, of practice. And, um, and I'm not sure what our pastor's position is here. I need to talk to him about it, I guess. But anyway, number one under that is support fewer missionaries with more complete financial support. Support fewer missionaries with more complete financial support. Try to be the main source to, to support, uh, of support for the missionaries we assist. This allows them to have to look to fewer churches for fundraising and helps them have a greater accountability relationship with us. We do not want to just fund a lot of workers. We want to fund workers in a manner worthy of God. And then Tavis, this is Tavis' statement. He says, consider the calculus by Dr. Walt Coles from his paper, Educating Your Church for Effective Missions. And here's what I wrote in that paper. I still believe this. This is my, still my position. And it may be a position that may not be exactly where our pastor stands. And if it is, if that's the case, then please accept what I'm about to give you here as my opinion, okay? and not saying it in opposition to, to our pastor's position at all, okay? So here's, here's what I wrote. Support many for less. That's good. Support many for less. That's good. And here's the advantages of that. The advantage to the missionary is that in, two, in this case, there are two. Number one, if the church for some reason has to discontinue its monthly support, the loss to the missionary is not that significant. Number two, uh, more churches are praying for the missionary's work. But in my opinion, there are some disadvantages to that position. And here's my opinion. Uh, and my opinion is that my opinion outweighs the advantages. <laughs> If each of the missionaries support, uh, supporting churches contributed only a small amount of monthly support. Now this goes back a few years. When I was early in the ministry, it was not unusual for a church just to support by 10 or $15 a month a missionary. Now that's not much these days. But back then, that's, what, that's been 50 some years ago, folks. <laughs> 
back then, five, ten dollars, fifteen, twenty-five dollars, that was that was substantial amount. It's not now, but it was then, see. And that's the reason that's in here. Okay. Uh, so let me go back. Um, good night, I'm out of time already. If each of the missionaries, missionary supporting churches contribute only a small amount of monthly support, $10, $15 on the average, need of $3,000 to $4,000, and that's more than that now for some places, it would take the missionary an enormous amount of time to raise adequate support and delay his departure for the field. And not only that, he'd beat himself to death trying to report to all those supporting churches when he came home on furlough. And a furlough ought to be a time of relaxation for a missionary. Uh, the next thing is support less for more. This is better. A better scenario is for a church to contribute to fewer missionary families with more monthly support. And then the third position is support fewer for much. And in my opinion, this is best. I still, I still hold that position. The best scenario is for a church to invest its resources in the lives and ministries of a fewer missionaries. If churches would capture this vision, they would be, they would be, a, greater, they would be a greater source of blessing to their missionaries. In addition to the advantages mentioned above, fewer missionaries uh, could enable the church to concentrate their attention on the needs of a few. Your missionaries cannot get lost in a crowd. Your missionaries cannot get lost in a crowd, but each could receive specialized attention. Your church members would know each member, family member by name, including the children, and the missionaries could indeed be a staff member of your church. So anyway, and then number two under that, are you with me? Care for the needs while they're stateside. Care for your missionaries' needs while they're stateside. Number three, maintain personal contacts with missionaries through letters, emails, etc. Number four, make trips to visit and encourage missionaries when possible. Now, you may not be going for a lifetime, but but that doesn't keep you from going temporarily on a short term to help the missionary island things. And we've done that as a church. And then number five, pray for them faithfully. Paul wrote, brethren, pray for us. And then the third response, Roman numeral three, and I'm not going to get to spend any time on this because they're out in the hallway trying to get in here for the flag thing. So let me just... Let me give you the fill in the blanks here, and you can read the rest of it because most of it's in your notes. And that's the opposers. That's found here in John chapter, third uh, John, verses 9 through 11. I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds which he doeth prating against us with malicious words, gossiping, and not content therewith, neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, that would, and casteth them out of the church. He was in charge. And anybody that wanted to support missionaries, he, he, number one, he would cast, throw them out of the church, didn't want anything to do with them. 
and anybody in the church that wanted to support him, he'd throw them out of the church. Think of that. How would you like to have a pastor like that? That's why I don't like him. <laughs> Beloved, follow not that which is evil. Indeed was. Well, these, these were the opposers. You know, it's a sad thing that all three of these responses can be found in churches today. Now, thank God, I don't think we have any opposers here. Not like that. If we do, <laughs> get right with God. Amen? Letter A. There's active opposition, and that's caused by pride and competition. Diatrophus love, diatrophus love to have the preeminent place in the church. And then uh, he didn't like competition either. And then letter B is passive opposition. Passive opposition. That is by apathy. And you know, we may not have anybody like diatrophus, but there may be some apathy in the church. And that opposes. That's, a, that's an opposition to missions. Okay. I got to close. I got a wonderful quote here. And that's on a slide, but I don't have time to show it, actually. Wonderful uh, quote here uh, from um, Nate Saint. I'd like to read it to you, but I don't have time to read it. Father, thank you so much for godly people at Good News Baptist Church. Thank you, Lord, for those that we have been able to send out from this church. And God, thank you for those who have been willing to stay behind in the will of God to send out those who are willing to go out. Bless our missions conference with your presence, your power. Help us, God, not only to reach but exceed that goal, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We encourage you to share this message with others. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened and God's word has had an impact on your life as together we strive to show forth the path of life. Press on.